All right, well, we are continuing with our series in the book of Mark. As we've been all summer, we're doing the Jesus way, uh, walking through and, and just looking at the life of Jesus and seeing what does that mean for us. I'll say this, last Sunday, because it was a holiday weekend, I know a lot of you guys were gone and, you know, camp and do that kind of stuff. If you missed last Sunday, you need to go watch the message. And it isn't one of those messages that, like, you want to watch. It's one of those messages that you need to watch, okay? And sometimes we just, you know, sometimes we need to eat our vegetables every once in a while, it's one of those where you need this one, okay? And so I would encourage you to go back and watch that one. Next Sunday, don't miss out. We've got uh, Micah McDonald's going to be sharing next week. He's, again, going to be in the context of our series uh, as we're working through the book of Mark. And so you're not going to want to miss out on that next week, all right? Uh, but this morning, uh, we're getting uh, into a farm parable, okay? We're, we're telling, looking at one of the stories that Jesus taught. And uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, Hunter actually mentioned something last week, and, and maybe you missed out on this. Hunter and his wife, Haley, announced that they are expecting their first child. So we're super excited for that, okay? And so because of that, last Sunday, he told some really bad dad jokes, okay? Because he thought that was his responsibility. And I figure, I'm a dad, that should be my job too, okay? And so I pulled out my best farming jokes, okay? So this is either gonna be awesome or the last time I tell jokes, okay? Here we go, here's the first one. How many know this one? Uh, uh, what do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef, right? Let me if you get that one, okay. That's good, okay. Why did the lettuce win the race? Because it was a head. Thank you, thank you. Uh, why do cows have hooves instead of feet? Because they lack toes. Okay. You got to think about that one. Thank you, Dee Dee. She laughed at that one. <laughs> Some of you have no grace for those jokes. It's fine. I'm done. We're moving on. Okay. It's, but Jesus is telling a farming illustration in the story that we look at this morning. And so we're, we're going to get to dig into that. I, I, I got a question for you, though, before we get into that. How many of you have ever had a situation like this happen? Maybe there's somebody in your life, maybe it's a really good friend, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's just somebody that you meet, and you pour yourself into them, right? You give your time, you give it, you're helping them, you're speaking into their life, you're encouraging them, maybe financially you've helped them, you've done all this stuff for them, right? And then one day, they just walk away. And you feel like everything you just invested, you're like, are you kidding me? You ever had that happen before? I had this happen to me a couple years ago. There was somebody that was struggling at the church I was at, and they were in a rough season. I mean, it was, it was kind of rough, like, life and death kind of stuff. And, and I stepped in and was a part of that and, and helped them and invested. And I gave so much time. For like a year, I was pouring out, doing everything I could to get them in the right places, financially, all this kind of stuff. And one day, they just, they went. You know, my expectation, and maybe this is your expectation, when you pour in like that, you're waiting for, like, the really happy ending, like, I did all this stuff, and now their life is great, and then they're going to come and say, you're so great, and you're the greatest person ever, and, like, that doesn't always happen, right? And in life, expectations are a big deal because most of our frustration in life is from an unmet expectation, where we expect one thing, and we get something totally different. This is why Jesus tells this parable, Okay? Because he's trying to help his followers have a proper expectation for what life is like and what one of the things he's asking them to do, what the response is going to be like, all right? And so we're going to dig into this text this morning. So I think it's going to speak something to all of us as followers of Christ, but it's also going to, going to challenge our hearts a little bit. And so I think he's got a word for all of us. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. 
as always, I say this every week, I, you need to have a Bible in your hand, okay? Either get a Bible, pull your phone out with a Bible app, whatever it is. If you don't own one, or you don't have one, or you forget one on a Sunday, there's a table right at the back. You can borrow one of those. If you don't own one, take it. It's our gift to you. We want you to have a Bible, all right? Would you stand with me as we're going to read our text, though, this morning? Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. Jesus is speaking here. He says this, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this word, Lord. I pray uh, that our hearts would be open to receive this, Lord. God, that we wouldn't just uh, sit and listen to me jabber for 30 minutes, but God, that we would receive a word from you, and it would change us. Pray that in your name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. If you missed last week, last week we saw that Jesus was teaching and performing all these miracles, and he was receiving varied responses to his teaching. Not everybody was responding the same way, okay? And so it makes sense that Mark, remember Mark was the one that put this book together. Mark would include this parable immediately following this, the story that he just told about Jesus, all right? Uh, because uh, Jesus is, again, he's now teaching a big crowd. There's this big crowd of people, and it says that there's so, so many people surrounding him that what he does, he gets on a little boat, and he pushes out away from the water so that the crowd is all on the shore, and he's out in the water teaching all of these people. And they're responding differently. And so he teaches this parable, but it says, uh, just the next couple of verses, it says that the disciples pull Jesus aside later on, and they ask him, like, what did that thing mean? Like, I have no idea what you just said. Anybody ever read the Bible and you thought that to yourself? Like, eh, you know, I, sometimes I wish I could just go ask Jesus. Like, Jesus, you want to explain this one to me? The good news is we have the Holy Spirit. That's what he's here for, okay? But he's, he goes to the uh, Jesus and says, what is this thing about? And he, and he begins to explain. He walks through this parable and tells him what every part means. He starts with this seed. Remember, the parable starts with this seed that's being thrown. And you're like, what is the seed? What are we talking about here, Jesus? And Jesus makes it clear that, that the seed is the word, the word. And, and, and the word for the word is this. It's logos, logos, all right? Uh, logos, this is a Greek word, and, and logos means this. In this specific instance, it's referring to this teaching about the kingdom, this teaching that Jesus is presenting about the kingdom of God and what it means. Uh, but as we look in Scripture, we recognize that this word logos actually has a grander view and at times, it actually means Jesus himself. You're familiar with this in John chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. It says, in the beginning was the word logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God. It goes on in John 1, verse 14, and says this. The word logos became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So in this passage, what does the word word mean? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's what the, this logos is, Jesus himself. He is embodying this word. The word became flesh. And so when we're looking at this story, we recognize that this seed that is being sown into people's lives is the word about Jesus, and it is actually Jesus himself. How people receive this word, okay? 
Uh, and then we have the soil. Now the soil, Jesus doesn't say, well, the soil means this exactly, but I think it's very clear in this story when, when Jesus explains that the soil represents the heart of people, this, this core of a person that receives this seed, this word that comes into him, okay? So that's the basic. You just have to have an understanding about this, okay? And so some people refer this parable, and they call it the parable of the sower. I think this is more accurately the parable of the soils or the parable of the hearts because that's really what we're getting at here with this story. And so what we're going to do is we're going to walk through these different soils and see what do, they, what do they represent, and then what does this mean for us as followers of Christ, all right? If you got your notes, backside of your bulletin is where you can take notes on that. I encourage you to do that. Follow along with me. Uh, the first point in your notes is this. Hard heart. The first soil is the hard heart, okay? We're used to really clean. We live in Minnesota. You ever drive through, you know, the, the cornfields in April before they're, you know, well, not April because there's still snow on it in April. <laughs> May or maybe June when there's no snow anymore, right? And, and they, they've planted, but you can't see anything, right? You see these beautiful green, you know, or sorry, these brown, nice clean brown dirt. They're not green yet. They're brown, right? Lots of brown dirt, and it looks nice and clean. That's not what Israel, for the most part, looks like. For the most part, Israel is a different type of terrain. And, and my guess is they weren't using big plows and things like that. Here's what it looked like when you would sow seed in Israel, okay? You have this picture here. See, this guy's got this satchel over his shoulder, okay? And what you would do is you would have this thing full of seed, and you would reach your hand in, and you would toss seed. You reach your hand in, you toss, you're just walking up and down, tossing seed, tossing seed, okay? And what happens is when you do this, some of that seed lands on good soil, right? Some of it lands in a good place, but some of it lands in a place that doesn't allow it to grow, all right? And so we get here uh, to verse 4, look with me in your text. It, verse 4 says this, As he was scattered, remember, tossed in this seed, some of it fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Okay? All right, some of this stuff fell on a path. You, you, how many of you like to hike? Anybody like to hike out there? Okay, good. Three of you. That's good. Okay, uh, when, if you've ever hiked on a path, you recognize when you get on a walking path, there can be all this vegetation on either side, but right on the path, it's usually just dirt. Why? Because it just keeps getting beat down over and over. People keep walking down that thing. That soil gets compacted. What happens if you toss a seed on top of that thing, it ain't getting down into the soil, right? It's just sitting right along the top. And so it can't get into the soil. So what happens? Birds come down and they fly into it, all right? And so Jesus said, some hearts are like this. It's hard. It's packed down, Right? Look what it says in the passage where Jesus begins explaining this. Look at what it says in verse 15. It says, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. See, some hearts are that way. They're so hard that, that this, the seed of the word of God can't actually get in and, and take root at all. It can't penetrate, right? And it makes sense. Jesus, remember that last week, if you were here last week, he was just interacting with these religious leaders. And what did he say? Their hearts are so hard that they can't even receive this word about me. They can't receive me because there's nothing they can do, right? And this is what Jesus is saying. Some people in your life, and you maybe know people like that in your life, their heart is so hard that no matter what they receive, it, it just is taken away. It's like it, has, it produces no fruit in their life. What I think is interesting is we're going to walk through this. You'll recognize the seed is the same in every situation. What changes is not the seed. It isn't the word. It isn't Jesus. None of that changes. It's the heart of the person receiving it that changes, okay? And so the first heart is hard, right? Second heart, though, is this. It's a shallow heart. It's a shallow heart. 
Like I said, I've been to Israel before, and it's rather rocky. And even the terrain, you might have soil there, but underneath the soil, just maybe an inch or two deep, you'll get to rock right away. And, and sometimes this is what will happen. You'll go out and you'll toss seed out onto this. And there'll be a little bit of soil there, right? And it, it might spring up. See, look what it says in verse 5. It says, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came down, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. This kind of thing can happen at times where, where the, the roots just can't get down deep enough, right? And when the sun comes up, it just doesn't have enough water and it dies, and Jesus explains this in verse 16. And I think some of you will relate to this. You've seen this happen before. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. I think one of the more painful things that I experience as a pastor is seeing that happen. Someone receive it with joy because I see this happen. I'll see a person come down to the altar, tears on their face because they're just moved and stirred in a moment, right? Right? And they'll respond, and there's excitement. And maybe for a couple weeks or a couple months, I'll see them around. And then something happens. And suddenly they drop off the face of the planet, and they walk a totally different way. That, that initial excitement, that seed burst open, right? And it looks good, but there's no roots. Look what it says in verse 17. It says, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away, right? This can happen with people. They receive, they're excited. Man, oh yeah, excited about this thing. But if there isn't roots, if they aren't dug deep into the word of God, if they don't build a community of relationships that help encourage them, when the hard times come, they just say, I forget this. I'm done. This is too much. I'm not ready for this one, right? Maybe you've seen that happen. It's possible that's happened in your life at some season, right? See, that's one of the different types. So I love the way uh, the message puts time. Sometimes the message translation is kind of weird, but sometimes it's really awesome. And I love this translation in the book of Mark. It says this, when they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm. But there is such a shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrive, there is nothing to show for it. Right? This can happen. How many of you like to eat healthy? Any of you like to eat healthy? There's like five, six of you. That's good, okay? The rest of us don't like to eat out. Like, it's not like it's a super fun. I saw this, this quote. This is one of my favorite little cartoons. It said, don't forget, you are what you eat. I need to eat a skinny person. <laughs> okay. All right. So I know I should eat healthy, but I'm going to be honest. I don't like to eat healthy. Like, it's not fun for me, you know? I'm like, yeah, I love this, right? But here's what I do. At times in life, Amber knows this, like, like all right, we'll get on a diet. And like, for like, Three days or like a week or maybe like two or three weeks, I'm like really, really good. But if I don't have like some serious accountability, like it is done. Like I just give up really quickly, right? You know that. You try to have diets. Some of you do the, like the January diet and then by, you know, you know, Valentine's Day, you're back to just whatever, you know, sometime by January 3rd, you're back to whatever. But it, it just happens in life. You have to have deep roots, right? And so some of the soils are just that way. They just don't last, Okay. The next soil, though, he talks about is this. It's a, it represents the divided heart. A divided heart. Look what it says in verse 7. Verse 7 said, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. All right? See, the issue with this soil, listen, the issue with this soil, it wasn't an issue of receptivity. It wasn't an issue of roots. It was an issue of external influence. 
external things had, had begun to influence the life in a way that caused their heart to be divided, right? And, and that's something all of us have to be aware of. And, and Jesus explains this in verse 18. Look what it says. It says, still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So Jesus looks at three different things. First thing he says, he talks about the worries of life. There's worries of life. Like we all got stuff that we're worried about, right? Like every day you got stuff going on. Your, your day, you wake up and you feel like you don't stop until you hit the pillow, right? You know, there's just, the days are full of stuff. And what can happen is if we aren't careful, those things can get in the way of this faith that we have. Hear this, I mean, you need to hear this, that if your faith is not worked into the fabric of your life, then your faith can stand at odds with your normal life. Here's what I mean. If your faith is relegated to a little box, like I go to church on Sunday, or I open my Bible and I read it for two minutes in the morning, or you know, I, when there's something really, really bad, then I go to my box, my faith box, right? If that's the case, then your faith is at odds with the rest of your life. Because I'm living my normal life over here, and then I got my faith box over here. See, that's, that's not, that's called being concerned about the worries of life. That produces a divided heart. Faith is meant to be worked into the fabric in every situation, every day, every question, every concern that you have. No matter what you've got going on in your life, we work our faith into it so that we don't have a divided heart, but instead every area of our life becomes a part of that faith. That's what faith is supposed to look like. So sometimes we have a, a, a divided heart because of worries. Another one is this. It's the, the uh, deceitfulness of wealth. How many know money is a liar? Money's a liar. Like, we all get it. Like, some of you, you just like I do, you, you, you dream. Oh, what if we won the lottery? Like, first, I'd have to play the lottery to win the lottery. But, like, the dream, like, wouldn't it be great to just come a windfall of, like, $10 million? But we know, we, we, we hear the stories of the people who win the lottery, and, and their lives are no better. Why? Because you're just adding gasoline to whatever the problems of their life already are, right? Not only they have the, they, they have the means now to actually buy all the crazy stuff they probably shouldn't in the first place. See, this, this deceitfulness of wealth that like, man, if I just had more, if I just had more, craving more, remember, what does Jesus say? The love of money. It's this, this idea that, oh, if I had more of this, it would solve my problem. See, that divides our heart. And this seed of God's word that is meant to grow and bear fruit, it's unfruitful because we're concerned about things we're not meant to be concerned about. The third thing is this, the desires for other things. I love how vague Jesus is in this one. <laughs> The desire for other things. Because you could fill the blank in with pretty much anything in your life, right? All of us have things that are, that are important to us. Things that, that we wish we had. We all have different hobbies. We all have different interests. We have things that can take our attention, right? Some of you, you're interested in a relationship. I mean, you're just so, you're just desiring a man or a woman in your life. And, and that's, a, that's a good desire. But sometimes that can cause a divided heart if he becomes unhealthy. For some of us, we, we want stuff. Maybe it's this desire for this car or this home or this clothing item or whatever. I don't know what it is. We all have desires. Maybe you collect things. I don't know, you collect baseball cards or bottle caps, whatever. You desire something. Or maybe you want praise. You, you like praise. You like people to tell you how awesome you are. Like you just have this desire for praise, you know. Or for some of you, want, you want a six-pack. I don't care if it's beer or abs. Like it's things that we want, you know. And they divide our hearts, okay. And the result is that 
that we don't have the fruitful lives God wants for us, right? His desire is that we would bear much fruit. That's what Jesus talked, that we would have lives that bear fruit. But if our hearts are divided, it doesn't happen. Fourth soil that we have here is the open heart. The open heart. And this one's pretty clear right away. You go to verse 20. Jesus explains this. He says, others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word. They accept it, and it produces a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sown. This is the part that's important. I think it's obvious. Yeah, there's good hearts. We receive the word. That's really good. These numbers are ridiculous. We don't get it, but these numbers are ridiculous. In their time, a good harvest would produce six to eight times what was sown. A really good harvest would produce 10 times what was sown. And Jesus said, his listeners are like, are you kidding me? 30, 100 times what you, like that's what would get produced. See, this is why, remember how we're going to be Zoe Church? Why? Because it means abundant life. Because guess what? In God's kingdom, he's not one of scarcity and limitation. He's one of abundance. Like there is more that he wants to do in your life. As we receive his word, he wants to produce abundance in our life. There's a story here. I love this little section because it's all these little seed stories Jesus tells. There's one down here where he talks about the mustard seed. You can read it later on at verse 30. He says the mustard seed it's the smallest little seed right you plant it though what happens this huge tree forms and that's what the kingdom of God is like God wants to produce abundance he can do amazing things if we will have hearts that are open to him that will receive this word that he has for us it's more than you can imagine so there's different responses four different soils so I want to get to our big so what and we're going to sit here just for a few moments as we close this morning because uh the big so what here is always asking, what's the point of this thing? I don't want you to, to walk out of here not knowing it. Here's the big so what. Sow seed and guard your soil. As a follower of Christ, your job is to do this. Sow seed and guard your soil. You remember when Jesus told this parable? Because the, the motivation of it is it, it's all based on the context. Jesus was telling the parable because there were all of these people that were hearing the word right? There were these religious leaders who, who were saying, nope, we're going to deny this thing. There were these other people that said, I think he's crazy. And then there were other people that were receiving it with excitement and then walking away. And then there were others who were genuine like his disciples that would eventually give their lives for him. And what Jesus is trying to do is to set the expectations, to set our expectations as followers of Christ. What is our job? Our job is to sow seed. We don't know what the results are going to be always, right? Like he's telling his disciples, listen, I'm about to send you out. You're going to share this word about me. You're going to share the hope of Jesus. And all of us in this room, hopefully the majority of us have experienced the life and the hope of Jesus. We've had our lives changed. And as followers, our call is to go share that word with other people, to, to speak the hope that we have in Christ to the world around us, to be a light to the world around us. That's what we've been called to do. And Jesus is just saying, hey, hey, I just need to warn you. You need to have the proper expectation. Even in this story, only 25% fell on the good soil, right? He's telling all these other things. Listen, you're going to share this thing. Not everybody is going to receive it with the same joy that you have. You just need to be aware. Like, don't be surprised by this. Because we can pour our lives like I did with that guy for a year. Pour my life, pour my life, pour my life. But eventually I get frustrated, right? Because things don't turn out the way I want. And he's just saying, listen, you just got to be, be aware, 
It's not always going to turn out the way you want. It reminds me of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew 7, Jesus says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Right? We'd love to say everybody's going to come to faith. You don't get to determine that. Your calling is one thing. What? Sow seed. Sow seed. You don't know where the Spirit of God has been working. You don't know the heart that God has been preparing. There's a story here later on that Jesus says, uh, he says the, the farmer goes out and he plants a seed. And day and night that seed's growing. And he doesn't know how it happens, but it does it. Why? Because God is at work all the time. He's at work in your family members. He's at work in your friends. And you don't know whose heart is ready to receive it. Your job is one thing. Sow seed. Sow seed. Sow seed. When you're on the job, sow seed. When you are in public, you are sowing seed. What are you sowing? Right? Like, I, I'm hyper aware of this. Amber and I are hyper aware of this because as pastors, we know that eyes are on us all the time. You know, there's times when, it, you know, when we've walked through a store, you know, and, and we've, we've been frustrated with our children or something, and then we walk by somebody from church and we're like, well, I'm really glad I just didn't spank my child in public, you know? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, we're aware because that, but guess what? Every one of us, at every moment, if you profess faith in Christ, you are sowing seed one way or another. What kind of seed are you sowing? Are you demonstrating the love and the grace and the hope of Jesus Christ? That's our call. Would we sow seed? So, I don't know, it doesn't always look like getting a sermon. You know, this is one way of sowing seed right now. I'm opening a Bible and I'm telling you. That's one way. And sometimes that's what God is calling you to do to open the word and, and to speak that way. But for other times, it, it may not be that. It may simply be in uh, sharing a cup of cold water with someone. You remember how Jesus talked about that? You do that in my name, right? And maybe just loving on someone, sharing your, your, your time with someone. Maybe that's all it is. You know, maybe it's as simple as making an invitation, inviting someone to come here on a Sunday morning to hear the word. Maybe that's a step for you to take. I don't know what it is. But I believe that God wants to use every one of us just to be faithful, that we would consistently sow seed. But it's more than just that. And actually, I, before I get there, I want to say one last thing. Sowing seed is a faithfulness issue. It's not a results issue. And some of you need to set yourself free a little bit. Because I think for me, I, if, I, if I don't succeed, we live in America and it's all about results, 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 results. And the fact is when you get to heaven, God isn't just simply going to say, Man, you pulled off so much stuff. That's crazy. He's, what's he want to say? Well done, good and faithful servant. The question is, are you faithful with what God has given you, not how do your results stack up against somebody else, okay? And so as, as, if we're here to share, we're sowing seed. Listen, maybe you're going to sow. I've heard of missionaries that were in Africa, and they spent their whole lives. This was before Africa became a place where it was full of Christians. There was no one. They would go, and you know what they would do? They would pack up everything, all of their belongings, in a coffin, and they would travel to Africa. You want to know why? Because they knew they were going to die there. And someday they would get back in that box and get shipped back to their home. They didn't necessarily see any results. But they were faithful. Sow seed. That's our call. Okay, but the second part of this is that we would sow seed, but also 
guard your soil. See, if all we're doing is sowing seed, but we don't guard our own soil, we might be like those people Jesus talked about who said, hey, but, but we did all this stuff for you. And Jesus says, I, I don't even know you. We have to guard our own soil that, that we don't get into a place where our soil doesn't look the way that it needs to be, that we aren't having tender hearts to God, where we get hard hearts, where we get shallow hearts, where we get divided hearts, right? That we would have open hearts, not just initially, because I think a lot of us had an open heart at one time, but the question is, do you have an open heart consistently to the word of God? Do you say, God, God I crave your word. Like, I want to hear your word. I want to know, I want to be changed. Do we do that, right? Proverbs says this, Proverbs 4, above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. We spend a lot of time guarding other things, and those are good things. We guard our relationships, we guard our marriages, we guard our finances, uh, we guard our careers, we guard our retirements, right? Uh, you spend time guarding your homes, your family, you guard your reputation, and what J Jesus would say this to us, above all that stuff, guard your heart. Everything flows from that thing. Where is your heart at? I would just ask all of you just for a moment just to think about this. Have other things become more important to you than Christ? Do you have a divided heart? He's not woven into your life. He's been relegated to a box. Have your roots never grown past the initial emotionalism? You had that initial spike of excitement, but it just stopped, right? You have a shallow heart. Or is it possible that in time, maybe some stuff, life has dealt you a bad hand, right? Maybe you came in this morning, man, just stuff is just hard. And the result is your heart has gotten hard. And you're not open to the word of God anymore. You just, it's just a thing. You, you showed up this morning because this is just what you do. You wake up and I guess I have to go to church and I'll just put up with my hour so I can leave. Has your heart gotten hard? I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story of David in scripture. David was a man after God's own heart, right? Man after God's own heart. And he he's, uh, becomes the king over Israel. But in time, his heart walks away from that. His heart gets a little hard. You know the story. He's, he's out sitting on his roof one day and he sees a woman bathing. It's not his wife. He says, I want that one. Brings her in. Gets her pregnant. Says, ooh, I gotta cover this thing up. So what's he do? He goes and gets the husband away from, from uh, the, uh, the battle and war that's going on. Thank you, war. It's such a hard word to come up with, isn't it? <laughs> he's in war. Calls him back. He says, I want him to maybe hang out with your wife cover this thing up but he says no I'm not going to do that while my, my fellow men are out there fighting I'm not going to do that he's like oh shoot what am I going to do so what does he do he has him killed right his heart had gotten so hard he had turned away from God so now what he's now he's he's impregnated some other woman now he's killed a guy uh, when a man after God's own heart are you kidding me and Nathan comes before him the prophet and he tells him this story. And what happens in that moment, it's like God reveals. God does a breaking in his heart. And there's a prayer that is written in Psalm 51. Some of you are familiar with this, this psalm. It's, it's he is, he's just brokenhearted. And maybe you've been in this place before in your own life. And maybe that's where you're at today where you would say, you know what? My heart is heart. I don't know how to fix it. 
God, I don't know what to do with it because I'm not, I am a little cold to you. I may, I may be divided a little bit. I don't know what to do about this. And I want to remind you of the prayer that, that David prays. He says this in Psalm 51. He says, God, create in me a clean heart. God, renew a loyal spirit within me. He doesn't just say, God, I have a clean heart. It's all, no, no, he's saying, would you do this work? Because I don't even know how to fix my heart. Like, and the reality is we can't fix our own hearts all the time and say, God, would you, would you do a work? God, do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. It's this prayer that every single one of us needs to play. Listen, we are called to go out there and to sow seed, to, to speak this hope that we have in Jesus to the world, to share it with your neighbor, with your coworker. You, are the, you may be the only person on planet Earth that can share that hope with them. But at the end of the day, if you're just sowing seed and your heart gets hard, it's failure for your life. And so I come this morning just saying, man, God, would you, would you evaluate my heart? Would you expose my heart? Would you reveal it to me? Would you, would you show me where I'm at? And then God, would you make it clean? Would you make it new? May I invite you all to bow your heads and to pray with me. God, we, we, we thank you, Lord, that you don't, you don't come at us with a bat looking to whack us over the head. You come at us tenderly, inviting us into something better. How we live lives of scarcity. We live lives that are so far below what you have available to us, God. You want to produce fruit in our lives. You want to, you want to see this thing 30, 60, 100 times, this abundance. But God, we, we close our hearts to you sometimes. And so God, I'm praying right now across this room, Father, that, that there would be a softening. God, that you would, you would take a mallet and just tenderize our hearts once again. Father, that they would be soft before you, God. That they would be receptive to your word. Father, that you would break down the lies of the enemy that cause us to, to listen incorrectly, to not hear what you are saying, God. But instead, I pray by your Holy Spirit that we would understand, we would discern your word, and we would walk faithfully in that, God. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.